0: Good morning. Good morning. I guess All ready, to rock and roll. <coughs> uh, So, this something special this week. Our uh, youth group and uh, there's a challenge to our students. Um, and I told them that I'm going to pray about doing this this morning with you all. First uh, Peter three fifteen says, "Be ready uh, to give a defense for the finish, sort of hope that was within you." And uh, so Wednesday night is opened it up for one of the students to share the gospel with us. So I'm wrapping, it up, I'm opening it up to the crowd. I know this is not uh, normally what we do, but I would just love for somebody to stand up and share the plan of salvation with us. Just anybody. You don't have, you don't even have to raise your hand. You can just. Because the God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever so believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Um, Can you pull up three circles, please? So this is a tool um, that we've been using uh, for a while now in youth group. And uh, the people that came to Second Saturday a few weeks ago got to experience this. But this is just a guide. Obviously, there's no scripture on there. Um, So John 3.16 is a great scripture used to share the gospel. Um, But it begins uh, with the circle on the upper left. And that represents God's perfect world. And we had oneness with God. We were in the garden. We had union with God. But... We sin, and we turn from God, and we ran. And you'll notice the heart's missing in the next circle. So we have a God-sized hole in our life. And we begin to try to fill that hole with all kinds of things. That's what the arrows represent coming out of the hole. It could be, um, you know, there's all kinds of things that we, we try to fill our life with. You know, people struggle with drugs, alcohol, um, you know, um, pornography. There's just all kinds of, of sins that we begin to try to fill this God-sized hole with. But, um Love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? And that represents the circle at the bottom. Jesus came down. You see the cross? There's a circle that's coming down. Jesus came down. And if you go up, and if we will turn and repent from our sin and make Jesus Lord of our life, that's what the cross is for, then we can be restored, okay? So if you're interested in the three circles and having that with you, what we do as a youth group is we make stickers. Um, I had one on the back of my phone. It's, it decayed. It um, but as we go on, on our mission teams during the summer, we have our, our water bottles and those type of things, and we're just keep the three circles on us because you need to be ready at a moment's notice to share the reason for the hope that is we need to, to give a defense. And uh, so this is just something I wanted to, uh, um, we've been every week, students don't know this, but last week was just the first week, but every week when we open up, um, one of them gets an opportunity to share the gospel with the class. And what that is, is, is that's training, okay? And that's what discipleship is. Is training training, you discipline your mind, you discipline your body um, for the Lord's service. Um, so that's what we do at, for Jesus ministry with our students. Um, and something that we've tried to redefine since um, Hannah and I have been doing youth is we, we no longer do youth ministry. Okay, we might work with students, but we do Jesus ministry. And Jesus ministry is the same whether you're 7, whether you're 17, or whether you're 77. Okay, Jesus ministry is Jesus ministry, and the Great Commission is the Great Commission. And as we go about our lives, that's what we got—we've got to be busy about God's business. So, if you have your Bibles, um, the passage that we talk about—that um, that, um, James one twenty-two is uh, "Be doers of the words and not hearers only." This is something that uh, we really struggle with, and, and we're going to get to. Uh, illustrations here in a little bit and and obedient christians in action is the title of today's message and uh i don't stand before you claiming to know everything or anything really all i want to do is share with you what god's been working on with me in my personal life and uh, many times if there's something that you are going through or you are struggling with that there are people in and around you that are struggling with the same things and uh, the more we keep that stuff to ourselves the more people around us struggle because they need what we have, which is Jesus, right? Because um, the gospel is the power to save, the power of God. And uh, that's what we have, and we need to, we need to be sharing that gospel, because it is the power of God to save. Um, <clears throat> so, I know I had you all turn to uh, James 1.2, but now if you want to turn to chapter uh, 6. <laughs> uh, you know, I am glad you brought your Bibles. It's good to hear the pages turning and rustling. Um, but we're going to look at two Old Testament characters this morning. Um, this is something that I was extremely intimidated to do, um, because uh, I'm not a Bible scholar. I, I'm just not. Um, I love the Word, I love reading the Word, and, and I love trying to to my life, but there are times where I can become overwhelmed, and I, I don't know the history and the things that are going on, but I can still find application from these mighty men of God in the Old Testament. We could use their example... Their testimony, their witness, what we're going to find out here later, witnessing is important. We can use their witness and God's word to apply to our lives and begin to um, mold our lives to look more like Christ. Right? That's the goal. Do I look more like Christ at the end of the day than I did at the beginning of the day? So we're going to just look at Gideon here uh, for a little bit. And we're also going to be, if you want to make a, a thumb mark, we're going to be going back to Exodus as well. We're going to compare Gideon and Moses and their response to the Lord when he uh, began calling them and uh, began calling them into his service. Uh, so if you just join me, um, and I want to pray for us before I get too far, um, and uh, then we'll dive into the words. Father oh, God, thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, just thank you for the opportunity to, to be here and to share. Um, Lord, it's truly a privilege. And uh, just ask that, uh, Lord, you resist the crowd and give grace to the humble. And Lord, we, we want to be your humble servants. We want to be your hands and feet here on this earth. And so, Lord, help us to um, look at these two men and and use their example to change our life to where we can be obedient Christians in action. Thank you for your Son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Alright. So, if you're at chapter 6, we'll go ahead. We're just going to read a little bit. Um, I've kind of got it summarized. Um, Verses 1 through 10, Israel is greatly oppressed, right? The Midianites are there, and, and at every turn, it seems like they are just destroying what the Israelites had, whether it be crops, whether it be produce, they're destroying their livestock, everything they have is just gone. So what we see here is Gideon um, is actually in um, secret. He's working on the grain. Um, and he was uh let's see, well he threshed the wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites, right? So Gideon is kinda of in secret, working, trying to hide the Midianites, partly smartly because he doesn't want to get all the stuff on, but also partly because he really doesn't trust God and that, that he's going to deliver the Israelites. Um, so what you're going to realize is in the book of Judges, if you ever study the book of Judges, it's a, it's a cycle. You know, God's people sin, God's people cry out, he provides a judge, they repent, and then they continually go through the cycle time and time and time again. He, he the, the book of Judges is about all the judges that he provides. Um, but so here we have Gideon, and uh, all of a sudden, verse 12 is when it actually really picks up, and uh, the Lord comes to him, and it's actually quite funny what he says in Gideon's response as I read it. In um, the angel of the Lord, verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. <clears throat> and it really kind of shocked Gideon because if you read on farther down, he begins to say, you know, uh, this is just Brandon's son Seriously? You've got to be kidding me. Me, a mighty man of valor? I'm from the least of all the tribes, and I'm the least in my father's family. You must have the wrong person. You know, that's just my interpretation of of what Gideon's reaction is. But the Lord sees Gideon in a certain way. Um, He's not going to let Gideon, uh, what Gideon's thoughts are of himself, begin to uh, thwart the purpose that he has for him. Um, uh, So if you go on, verse 13... Gideon begins to really question. Gideon says to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all these miracles? Which our fathers told us about, saying, Did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And what's happening here is Gideon is allowing his circumstances to affect his calling. And we're just like that. We, we, sometimes we can't see the trees for the forest or the forest for the trees. whichever every way you want to look at it. Um, Because both have application. The problems in our life we become so focused on um, the obstacles that we forget we serve God, who's literally overcame every obstacle that we are faced with. Um, There's nothing new under the sun. You know, the things and the temptations and the problems that we face. Now, Jesus, you know, he didn't have problems with his partner, starting, But he did have transportation issues, right? He had to walk. I'm sure he blew out a footfall. Like, there are problems that Christ had that we encountered. Um, day to day, that that, um, that are more serious than that. I, I use those examples because um, they're things that we can easily relate to, but um, Jesus had a body like you and I have. You know, he was tired, he was tempted, all the things. So there's nothing that we can encounter or go through that Christ himself has not already um, defeated. Uh, so if you, if you don't want to read um, 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I say Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If I have now found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. So at this point, is not even sure that he's really actually dealing with, with God. Um, Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat, and unleavened bread, and eat thought the flour, and the meat he put in a basket. And he uh, put the broth in a pot, and he brought them out to him under the uh, terebinth tree, and presented. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat, and unleavened bread, and lay them on his the rock, and pour out the broth. And he did all this. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the meat, and unleavened bread, and fired rose out of the rock and consumed the meat in the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So now all of a sudden Gideon's beginning to realize, like, this really is the angel of the Lord, and, you know, I need to I need to shape up, because I've heard all these stories that my ancestors and my fathers have told us about deliverance. And now he's here. He's calling on me. He's talking to me. Um, So his attitude really changes. Oh, alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon goes on to build an altar there and, and, uh, you know, worship the Lord. Um, And we're going to go a a little bit farther, but what we're really looking at today is Gideon's response to the Lord's calling on his life versus Moses' response to the calling on his life. Um, Because from here... um, we're almost to one of the most famous stories. Gideon, he goes on to destroy the altar of, uh, of Baal. Uh, there are verses 27 to 28. Um, his dad stands up for him. And uh, then the, they really mock Baal, which I think is really kind of funny. Uh, but Joash, this is verse 31. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself, because his altar has been torn down. Which I think is, is great. Um... You know, and I think of the champions that we have in our corner standing, standing up for us. You know, that was Gideon's dad, that was that was standing up for him. Um, so I just wanted to point out that are we sharing with our children, are we sharing with our grandchildren the deliverances that the Lord has, the, the things that the Lord has brought us through? You know, um, that's, as we read through Scripture, that's really what begins to break down is the Israelites' uh they quit sharing. And eventually at the, at the end of Judges, um, it says a generation arose that did not know the Lord. And, you know, that's the danger that we run when we keep things to ourselves, when we're not prepared to be the defense that hope is in us like at the beginning of the message, when we're not ready to share the gospel. So that's the risk we want. You know, we're one generation away in your family from from your kids or their grandkids or, or whatever, from not knowing the Lord. You know, and, and you know, who's going to stand in the gap? Who's going to be that prayer warrior for them? So, you know, Gideon had his dad to assist him Um, Then we're going to find out he he had a a lot more people. But here's the question. um, that As I was studying Scripture and looking at Gideon and Moses, um, when does our disbelief and unwillingness to fulfill God's call on our lives go from confirming God's will to outright sin and rebellion? That's what I want us to think about as we compare these two. men. When does our disbelief and unwillingness to fulfill God's call on our lives go from confirming God's will to outright sin and rebellion? What we're going to get to now is one of the most famous stories of the Bible, the sign of the fleece. Whoa. everywhere. Sorry I'm right. glad you guys are all back. Uh, not all of you. I'm going to throw you all in with the, the back of your bunch again. Um, if you were to set up here, you just got wet. I have been on broke water I um, But uh, if we go ahead and read, let's see here, verse 34 and 35. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and the Israelites gathered behind him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him, and he also sent messengers to Asher, um, Zebulun, and Tali, and they came up to meet them. Uh, so now he has this huge army, right? Um, actually, if you go on to finish the story, it's too big, and God begins to dwindle it down. But that's not what I want to focus on. What I want to focus on is there about first, verse 36, um, Gideon does what we call fleecing the Lord. All right. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If the dew is on the fleece on me and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it not be dry, only on the fleece, but all on the ground, let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew all on the ground. Right? So Gideon asked for a sign uh, for God to confirm what he was doing. Um, and what we're going to find out as we turn to Exodus, that Moses does a lot of the same things that Gideon did. But eventually, when we get through into the end of Moses, we're going to see that God was angered at Moses. So why would he have been angered at Moses and not at Gideon, right? Because, well, if we're going to get we'll gonna done ourselves. We're going to get into that just a little bit. So turn to um, Exodus chapter 3. Burning bush, uh, Moses sees the burning bush, and God immediately um, announces. Verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I'll now turn aside and see the great sight while the bush was not burnt. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place, take your sandals off your feet, the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, but he was afraid to look upon God. So here we have God immediately announces himself who he is. Right. So Moses has no doubt who he's dealing with. Um, I don't know about you guys, but that would be an awesome experience, but terrifying. At, at the same time, um, but God got his attention, and now Moses knows the following instructions are coming from God Himself. Mm-hmm. Right. So, what kind of attitude would you have if you knew the following instructions were coming from God? Like, would you kind of be nonchalant, or would you be listening intently, knowing that you wanted to do everything that He was going to say? Right. I hope I would be listening intently. You know, um, but I'm around teenagers a lot, and uh, you know, sometimes they rub off on us, and we can get in la la land and not really pay attention. Hannah um, can share that with you. I'm not that paying that attention. But when God speaks, we want to listen. Right? When God speaks, He gets our attention, especially when He announces Himself and we know exactly who He is. And, and what we're going to see is Moses' responsi- responses to God eventually angered God. Um, but verse 11 and 12, what Moses said to God, or what we skipped a little bit, is Moses, uh, God basically charges him to go to Pharaoh and get the children of Israel out of Egypt, in verse 10. But in verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to favor and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Um, so he said, uh, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you, that I have sent you When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Um, but then verse ten, verse 13, no, Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, and then say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God says to Moses, some of the most famous words in the Old Testament. Like, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am, has sent me. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to you. And then he, he gives them some more instructions. But now he even has God's name. Okay? So God identified himself. He's given him his name. And, and all these things. I am who I am. And I am has sent me to you. Um, so then we're going to skip ahead a little bit to chapter 4. All right? And then we get to see some miraculous signs that God is going to provide Moses with to, to confirm this calling that God has placed on him. Um, but Moses, you know, he's still doubting. But Moses answered and said, but Suppose they will not believe me and listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord is not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, rod." And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent Moses' to play from it. Um, I would just like to have been uh, just able to see that. Um, that would have been quite the experience to, to see and to see Moses' reaction, especially when the Lord tells him to go pick it up by the tail. Um, yeah. I know how a lot of us act around snakes and different things and and uh, that would have been an interesting thing. Um, but actually, Moses in obedience and, and he does that and he reached out his hand and he caught it and it became a rod in his hand again um, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, put your hand in your bosom and, and pull it out. And when he did it, it was white as snow uh, like lepros, lepros, leprosy um, like snow. And then he said, put it in and bring it back out and it was restored like his, uh, his original flesh. So then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, they need to believe the message of the latter sign. So here Moses is starting to get a pretty good pile of evidence, right? And God's place of calling on his life. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's he got all these things that are beginning to pile up. Uh, but he still does. We're going down to verse 10. I'm not eloquent in speech. Um, and God basically says to him, who made man's mouth, or who makes mute, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, Oh Lord, please send someone else. And that's really where the differences between Gideon and Moses come in. And that's when, verse 14, we see, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, um, and, and he provides Aaron for him. And Go on down, uh, verse fourteen. Let's see here. I I had the wrong verse, but eventually, if you you read on down, it says that Moses, Aaron, and his rod headed off to Egypt. Um, So the funny thing is, there's a lot about the God of Moses that that we can learn, and and I've been reading the book. If any of you are looking for degree, it's called A time and tell him to let his workforce go. You know, that's just that's that's not wise counsel if I want to live. Or, like, why would you ask me to do that? Can't you just send somebody else? Because I can't talk. I don't really want to do that. And and uh, you know, so Moses has this laundry list laundry list of things um, that that he's letting bother him. And he's the same as Gideon, right? He's beginning to let his circumstances and the things that are standing against him pile up and pile up and pile up, where he's, he's looking at those names instead of who has called him. And God has called him. The saying that God has called you and I into this life of obedience, into this life of Christ calling, into this life of suffering like Christ suffered. Um, so many times when God is calling us to something, we look at the why nots instead of the blessings that are going to be coming our way because of we step out in obedience um, to our Savior who is calling us. So here's two accounts of men used greatly by God, and I ask the question again: One does our disbelief and unwillingness to fulfill God's call in our lives go from confirming God's will to our sin and rebellion? And to me, the difference is when Moses said, "Send someone else," and you send someone else. and that's the point: that God has you in Shelbyville, Missouri, USA, for a purpose, for a reason, and He's called you here. Whether you believe that or not, for your time here, God has called you here for a specific purpose. He has you at your job for your specific purpose. He blessed you with the kids that you're blessed with for a specific person. He chose you to be their parents. If you're a man, He chose you to be the pastor of your house, right? He chose your wife and your kids because for whatever reason, they need you, all right? And when we continue to look at the issues and the problems that we have and we don't but when we let those stop us from fulfilling God's calling our life, we're gonna let we're gonna eventually we're gonna stoke up God's anger, right? Um and, and as I pictured stoking the fire, right? You know, you just have a coal. So that could be God's anger at the start. And the more we, we rebel and the more that we are unwilling to do what he's called us to do, eventually God's, God's anger is going to ignite, okay? And and we're gonna have some issues because he chastises those who he loves. And, and you don't have to look far in Scripture to find accounts of, of men who are unwilling to do what God wants. And one of the most famous ones is Jonah, right? Um, God called him to Nineveh, and he's like, no, oh, no, I'm not going. And, you know, we all know the story, you know. And, and he was still so spiteful, you know, that, that he couldn't believe that God would save that town, even after he went and preached, and the whole town repented. Believe believed a whole town repented. You know, we walk around here scared to share the gospel. When God in history, when we see in God's word, He's turned whole towns, whole towns, and uh, you know, it's just unbelievable to me if we really um, step out in like radical obedience to God, what He might do in our communities, in our homes, in our families. Um, and radical obedience is going to look different for every person. It's not the same. Obviously, God's not calling you to. Well, I mean, maybe it is. I don't know, but you know, Pharaoh's not alive anymore. So, you know, we can't go to Pharaoh. But there are things in your life that God is calling you to. And if we step out in obedience, He is going to bless us, and He is going to uh, be with us, go before us, and and guide and direct our steps. Um, But I I want to point out a couple reactions that both men had at the beginning. I feel like both men were very humble, And I I think there's a little bit of humbleness in in both of their reactions. And I think... uh, that's really the key uh, to how God reacted to both men. Uh, if you turn to first Peter chapter five. Verses five and six. Under the, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And um, then it goes on to continue some of the most famous words in, in Scripture. I'll be sober and because your the devil walks about like a roaring lion, lying, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the sufferings you are experienced uh, are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to the eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, thank you suffered a while, Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory the name of God, and forever and Amen. That's what the Lord was trying to do with Moses and Gideon. Their due time had come. Right? Their due time had come, and God was beginning to exalt them so that they could cast all their cares upon him. When things seem too big, when the Midianites are enclosing around you. When they're stealing your food, stealing your livestock, you know, when, when, when things at work aren't going well, when it's beginning to look like there's, there's no hope in sight, when the enemy is closing in around you, cast all your cares on the Lord. For who cares for you, be sober and vigilant. Because the enemy is acting like a boring lion. I don't know how many of you watch National Geographic Channel or any other channel, like Discovery Channel or whatever, but like, when I see lions on the hunt and on the prowl, like, it gives me because I think about that passage, and I think about the devil's prowling after me like that, hiding behind this bush over here so he can spring from cover and get me while I'm unaware. But that's why we must be sober and vigilant because he is out there. And the moment that we forget that is the moment that we have the opportunity you know, to slip and fall, and those things. But uh, uh, God, was just a so proud of his grace to humble. You'll see no better example of grace uh, than when Moses continues to ask for sign for sign for sign. And Gideon pleases the Lord and God is gracious to him and gives him the sign. When God is calling you, it's okay to wonder and ask for that confirmation. Um, but if that turns into unwillingness to go or an unwillingness to do the simplest of tasks, that, it doesn't matter. You know, like let's let's use the beginning of the message, for instance, when we talk about sharing the gospel. You know, if if God is calling you to go share the gospel with somebody, you know, why do we really need to ask for confirmation? Shouldn't we always be about it? Shouldn't our lives be the gospel on display? You know, and, and uh, so when God is calling us to something, a lot of times we just need to respond to obedience. And I, I think there's where we get so focused on, we have the, the general will of God, right? And then we have the specific will of God. And so many times we're waiting on the specific will of God. You know, God, you know, who am I going to marry? Or... What job am I, I going to have? Or, or these types of things that we forget that we're not even living in the general will of God because we lose our scripture time. We lose our worship time. We lose our fellowship time. All these things. So, um, and all of it works together. So, um, Gideon, while he asked for the things, once he knew, he stepped into God's role for his life wholeheartedly. And I think that's where, Moses ran into his issues where he asked God to send somebody else. Right? Once we know, we must submit and obey. And how can we stay in the right way? Boy, when I rip it down, I didn't realize it. All right. um, but if you wouldn't mind pulling up the hand illustration. And I need a volunteer to get somebody to come up here. All you got to do is hold this book. Okay, Um, So something that we've been uh, teaching in in youth group is um, this hand illustration. And uh, what it is, is it's a discipleship tool that is repeatable. Okay, so as you learn this, this is something that, say you do go share the gospel and you get a convert. This is something that you can immediately begin um, teaching them and walking them through so that, you know, that they can begin to have good habits. um, Memorizing the five scriptures that are um, on this, on the hand illustration, we call it. So, Romans 10 17. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing from the Word of God. So, faith or hearing represents the pinky. So, Christine's going to try to hold on to this book with her pinky, and she really can't do it. And uh, you should have seen her look on her face Wednesday night when I slapped that dog out of her hand. Uh, it was really funny. Uh, so, this week we're, we're um, reading the Word. So, I'm going, to, I'm going to go back to this real quick. Hearing is what most Christians do. We come maybe once a week, maybe Wednesday night, maybe Sunday night, whatever, and we hear somebody proclaim God's Word. And you've seen what kind of base that provides. It's, it's nothing. You cannot hold on to God with a pinky. It's not possible. And God can't, he can't use you in the capacity He wants to use you in if all you're doing is hearing God's Word. So reading God's word, Revelation 1-3, Blessed is he who reads, and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things written in it, for the time is near. So go ahead, two fingers. So by the time she gets to the fourth time, she's going to be pretty annoyed, but that's okay. But we're building a base, okay? So we're hearing the words, you know, now we go home, and maybe we're going to read the passage, that the pastor talked about on Sunday morning, you know? Well, I've read that, but what does it mean? What does it mean? So that leads to study um, Acts seventeen eleven. These were more fair-minded than these in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Uh, and that leads to personal discovery of God's truth. Right? When we begin studying the word, when we begin studying um, the, the things that we hear and that we read, God begins to teach us things. Right? And I love what it says daily. We're working on with our students on, hey, you need to set aside a daily time where you spend time with the Lord. Right? Um, I, so with the students, um, the one thing that we all do every day is go to bathroom. Right? And um, some of us longer than others. So I said, if you need a place to start, there is, I promise, a few moments right there that you have a long time. And that you can pull up the scripture. And, you know, if you need a place to start, if you're not disciplined enough to get out of bed... 20 minutes early, 30 minutes early, or an hour early, because you want to study God's Word, then there's a place you can start, right? And, and it's not that difficult to begin hearing, reading, and studying. Um, so you've got your free fingers. Do we ever do that? Okay. But it still comes out quickly, right? So we begin to memorize God's Word. And uh, the passage for this is Psalm 119, 9 11. Now, now how can a young man cleanse his way... I have taken heed according to your word. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And right? so we hear God's word, we read it, we study it, and now we begin to memorize it, okay? And as we begin to memorize it, all of a sudden when temptation comes our way, what do we have to battle with? Right? We have God's word. When, when you talk about, so something we do with students when we go on the mission field is we pray on the honor of God, right? And the sword of the spirit, which, which is, you know, uh, our only offensive weapon, right? It's also a defensive weapon, like God's Word, like we use it in temptation, like what did Jesus, when Satan came and tempted him? What did he use? He used Scripture. Why would we think that we are going to be any different than Christ himself, right? Like all of a sudden, we're like that's one thing that I always really loved, like Greg said, you can't just lay your head down on your Bible when you go to sleep at night and God's Word infiltrate your mind. It's not how it works. It's not, um, I used a fancy word the other day, it's not osmosis as of as scripture, right? You don't just absorb it through your your head um, as you sleep. So it's hard work, and and that's part of, of being a disciple. On the sword of the Spirit, overcome temptation, um, and also when we memorize, like uh, Reese there a little bit ago when he shared the gospel with us, he had scripture memorized. As you memorize scripture, you know you work the scripture you memorize into the illustration of the three circles. The three circles is nothing special is merely a tool to help us recall things in God's story of, of why we are here and why, you know, we're trying to make his name great and spread his gospel. Um, so the last one is meditate. And, and as Christine holds up the book and you begin to meditate, now she has a full grip on, on God's word and it completes the grasp. And you can no longer knock it out of her hand. All right? Thank you. And by the way, these are on the back table on the back that said daily devotional. After this uh, message, you feel like you need to start devotional time. These are in the back, and they're free. They're back there um, when you come in. But Psalm 1, 2, and 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf is all, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So the thumb completes the grass. Through meditation, We begin to think about it day and night, God's Word. And I just love the blessing there, you know. Whatever you set your foot to or your hand to for God, He's going to bless. If He's calling you to something, right, He's calling you to something, that is just incredible to me when I think about the giant trees that are down by the river. And and we can be that for God. We can be these giant trees that are soaking up His nutrients, that are soaking up His Word, and we produce our fruit in season, right, right? And, and I think so many of us, like, uh, we're like flying China. You know, we're in the cabinet. We maybe come out on special occasions, you know, when we have family outreach day. You know, I'll come up there and I might be visible, but I really don't want to pray with anybody or, or share the gospel, or those type of things. You know, but I'm telling you what, like, we'd be better off to be a paper plate that could be used for God than thrown away. You know, um, but here's where I really think, you know, we've advanced throughout, uh, throughout time and now we have Tupperware's. Right? And you cannot destroy Tupperwares. You know, rule all these things, dishwasher safe. And man, that's the kind of Christian I want to be. I want God to use me, to dirty me up, to get me in the fire, to get me cinched a little bit because, you know, i want to work for God. I want to be used with God. And then, you know, I want to come. I want to come to church. I want to fellowship with other believers. I want to be so fired up when I leave and excited that I, I just can't wait to get out of church on Sunday and go tell somebody else about these, to go disciple a student on Monday morning, to wake up at 6.15 and send that text that nobody ever responds to. You know, Here's your here's your devotional for the day. I hope you all have a great day. And, and crickets, and you don't know whether they, they study it or not, but, but you do it because God's called you to do it. And, and that's all that really matters. We cannot allow circumstances to get in the way of what God is calling us to do. Um, I love the hand illustration. And it really leads us to a, a, another illustration. Um, the obedient Christians in action. Okay? The obedient Christian in action. You're going to notice that's a wheel. Right? Um, I'm not like any master mechanic. But I know a wheel's got to be attached to something to work. Right? And that would be the hub. Right? And the hub for every Christ follower is Christ himself. If we're not plugged into the source, we we, we have no power. 6 Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The force comes from the love, and the power of a Christian comes from Christ. If you're here today and you do not have Christ in your life, the things we're talking about, they're not for you. But he offers that to you. All you have to do is when we share the three circles at the beginning, Turn from your sin. Repent. Put your faith and trust in God, and you can begin to live a life that you begin to have victory, that God calls you to purpose. If you know without Christ in your life, you really have no purpose for your life? Um, for those of you that, that don't know, uh, I left my job this week, and uh, it was it was a it was a difficult thing to do, um, but it's to the point where I was beginning to feel like I was living in sin by continuing on in my employment, because I've had so many things that God has called me to I, I, I couldn't serve two masters anymore. Um, so I decided, you know what, we're going to step out in faith and obedience and we're going to follow the Lord. And I've been praying for my boss for years. Um, his name's John, and he's a good man. And, and, you know, I love him. He's a good friend. But he's an atheist. And uh, guess what he wanted to talk about for two hours on the way home from Jeff City? How could you quit your job and go into ministry? And for two hours. And, you know, it finally ended. He said, uh, well, you haven't told me anything I haven't heard before. And so I said, well, neither of you. <laughs> you know? and, and, you know, and that's the thing. There's, there's only so many arguments that, that can be made for both sides. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know what? Um, if God's not, you know, if that person isn't willing to accept that, that Jesus loves them and died for them and, and those things. And he kept using the word, I can't believe that you could be so ignorant. And he's uh, like, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, God uses the, the, the things that the world perceives ignorance to confound our lives. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was just, it was a really sad display of, uh, of what truly hopelessness looks like, um, and, the, and they really don't even realize it. It's passed off as intelligence, and um, it was just, it was just very sad and exciting that I finally got the opportunity on the last day of work. And you know, I wish I had a better outcome, um, but you know what? He, he's still alive. Um, and God is still king, and, you know, I can just continue to pray for him and, and, and hope that the seed that was planted that day um, will maybe, uh, you know, grow, and, and hopefully he can come to know the Lord. But so Christ at the center, um, we think about obedience. Uh, Romans 12, 1, presents your bodies as a living sacrifice, fully acceptable to God. John fourteen twenty one he who has my commandments and keeps them it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So, just powerful scriptures, by the means. And if we really believe what God's Word says, we truly believe it, we would have no problem stepping out of the means. But we, we let enemy confuse us and distract us from what's going on. I don't know if any of you know who George Mueller is. Anybody familiar with George Mueller? Okay, I've been listening to his autobiography and uh, he, he ran an orphanage in uh, Europe and uh, actually I listened to it with the students the other day on the, on the way to Tulsa and um, like, eventually this guy, he's telling a story it's like it's autobiography and he's telling about all these times the Lord provides for him when he's down to like six shillings, and there'd be a knock at the door and somebody hand him money and he'd be out of money again and would be a knock at the door somebody handed money and like eventually it got so like Jalen was looking at me like, "Oh my word! Like this guy has faith, and faith that God is going to provide." And so much so that he would tell him to set a hundred plates with no food. Set a hundred plates, and you know, there'd be enough at the door. Hey, we have food for you. We have food for your children. We have food for the orphan, or whatever. And God continually comes in for this for this man, and he never told anybody but God what he needed. It's an incredible. Story, an incredible story of faith. If you, it's on Audible. I can't, I listen to my audiobooks. Um, so it's, uh, you know, that's something that uh, my friend turned me on to. So now you can do other things while you listen. Um, sometimes i have to rewind it, but uh, man, they are awesome because you can listen and you can still do other things. So um, but anyway, I don't want to get too um, So the word um, 2 Timothy 3 16 um, and 17, Joshua 1 8. Um, Joshua one the this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and have good success. Um, prayer, John 15.7, you abide in me, and my word abides in you. You will ask for what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So the word and the prayer are the vertical spokes, right? Um, and, and those represent our lifelines to God represent our lifeline's yes, gospel. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God is past and understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Like, I don't want us to get confused. Like, this is not a name of claimant nor prosperity gospel. These, these scriptures are to be used on, <laughs> as our lives are lived for Christ. You know, it's not so you can have that new shining car out there. Or, or, you know, that the girl of your dreams will suddenly fall in love with you. You know, it's not like, you know, it's kind of like a genie on a ladder. You know, you do a lot of things, but you can't tell anybody or make anybody love you. And uh, I laugh at that part every time in in the movies. Um, But uh, if we would just really live our lives like we believed Scripture was true. Right? And we would all say that we believe Scripture is true, but yet we live lives that are not victorious. We live lives that that show that we're we're scared and, and we're... We begin to fall in disobedience. But if you look at fellowship. Matthew eighteen twenty four, Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up good works, not forsaking the gathering of ourselves as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more that you all see the day approaching. I've heard this scripture used for years to uh, people say, well, I, mean, I don't need to come to church. And I, well, don't forsake the gathering of ourselves. And you need to become a church. Well, for what? We come here and we sit and we sing a few songs and so we go and talk to each other. You know, we go, hey, how are you? You know, it's good to see you this morning. Let us consider one another in order to stir up good works. We need to be telling each other what God did for us this week. Man, you wouldn't believe the miracle I got to see the other day as I was witnessing to my neighbor. Or you wouldn't believe, like... Uh, I think about on the way home from Mexico, um, I was so nervous because, believe it or not, when we left over well, Christmas break, it was like 60 degrees. And it was going to be 80 degrees in Mexico, so look, we packed. In fact, you know, I had a hoodie, that's all I had. And then we got back to Tulsa, it's 12 degrees in a blizzard on Missouri. And you know what? When we, when we left Tulsa and we drove home, I was super nervous to the point where I was like, maybe we better stay a day. And, you know, it, it, but. Kids we're gonna to have to miss school and there's gonna be some things that, that need to happen on like you know what? We're we gonna go. Um and this is that was bad thing on my part, you know, always pack for Missouri even when you're going somewhere because you might get home and it'll be cold. We we didn't hit one patch of snow all the way home. And I was looking on the Modot app and the the, the road was just turning green right in front of us. It was just it was a miracle. And and I, I say that because we prayed and we, pray, we asked God, God protect us on our way home. You guys were here praying for us. we so to bring our students home safe. And, and we need to tell people about these things because when we don't, eventually a generation is going to arise that doesn't know the Lord. If we do not share, if we do not, um, if we do not talk with people, and that's where witnessing um, comes in. And really, prayer, the Word, and fellowship all point back to witnessing. Matthew four nineteen. Then he said, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Um, Romans 1:16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to so salvation for everyone who believes. So these horizontal slopes are our relationships with people. The word our relationship with God and, and hug is our power source. And as we do that, the we'll wheel just spins, spins, and we live our life on call, on mission for God, ready at a moment's notice to give a, a reason for the hope that is within you. But we fellowship believers and unbelievers through witnessing. Did you know that? that there's a there's somebody that believes in Christ that needs your testimony. Somebody that doesn't believe in Christ that needs your testimony. They need to hear your experience. They need to hear what God has said to you through Scripture so that they they too can begin to live a life for God in obedience to God and to the the things that He's called them to. Uh, So the first three spokes prepare you for pursuing and passing on to others all you have received from the Lord. All we have received from the Lord. We share our own experience with Christ and declare and explain the gospel. Why? Because the passages told us that's the power of God. That's the power of God to save. That's the gospel. And when we keep it to ourselves, like, the whole point of this is to take as many people with us when we go. Right? Um, so we're going we're gonna to move to a time of, of response, and I would just ask, I would ask you to consider these three things. We have three questions. What is God calling you to in your personal life? Is there something you've been putting on that God is calling you to? Is there a neighbor that you've offended that you need to go ask for forgiveness from? Is there a church member that you're holding something against that God is calling you to go make it right? Is there something that you need to say to your spouse or to your child? Is there something God's calling you to in your personal life? Is there? I, I, can't, I can't answer that for you. Only you know God is calling and speaking to you about. And I just encourage you to step out and respond in obedience today. What is God calling your family to? What is God calling your family to? As, as, as leaders of our homes, you know, um, He has made us the pastors of, of our home. And, and we must have a vision for our family. We must have a mission for our family. And that's all laid down in Scripture. So is there something that God's calling you to as a family? Something that that we've started since we got back from Mexico, the Lord just really impressed our hand and I that, you know what, we need to be intentional with our children spending time in the Word together. So every night, I say every night, most every night, um, after supper, we spend 30 minutes and, and we all get the Word out. And um, the LITers that ran upstairs, the World Changers, you know, we take our kids through that Um They see us reading our Bibles. You know, we're so quick to say, you need to be reading your Bible. You need to be memorizing Scripture. and are always saying, well, Dad, I don't see you doing that. I don't see you doing that. Well, it's important that they see us do those things. It's important that your grandchildren see you do those things. And then finally, what is God calling our church to? What is God calling our church to? We gather here together. We gather here to, to stir up good works, to encourage one another. And what is God calling us to? That's something um, that God has laid on on our heart as we do Jesus ministry with our students. We need to be um, disciples who make made disciples. Disciples who make disciples. If we're not replicating, if we're not multiplying, something is wrong with what we're doing. Um, This this message is made to spread, right? So those are the the three questions I have for you. And I just ask that as as we sing, uh, just as I am, right? Just as I am. um, you know, God is calling you just as you are. He is going to equip you for every good work. So I just ask that you respond to your obedience and uh, really get down to, to doing the work for God that He's called you to do. Father God, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we just ask that it begin to transform us, Lord, that we could look at the examples of the men that we saw, um, Lord, that we could be like the Gideons and Moses, Lord, but that we can step out in faith immediately when you call us to something. So, Lord, we just ask that you would show us things in our personal life, Lord, search us, try us, show us areas of our life that we are not what we need to be. Um, Lord, give us give us a new love for following Christ, Lord, um, being the ministers to our home as the dads and as the men of our, of our family. Lord, give us a, a mission and a vision for our family, something that we can do, and Lord, we just ask that uh, as your church here shall bind, Lord, that uh, we could seek the well-being of our city together, that we could come together, not forsake the gathering of ourselves, but Lord, that we would have so much to tell each other about that we cannot wait to see each other. So, Lord, that's our prayer. It's my prayer for us. And uh, I just ask that you give this time of response. In your son Jesus' name we the to pray.